Hello, welcome to Soul Blazers, the podcast that ignites your inner fire and empowers you to blaze your own trail. I'm your host, Kara. And I'm Amanda. Together, we are here to share our stories, insights, and wisdom to inspire and guide aspiring trailblazers like you. And like us. So whether you're learning to start your own business, seeking personal growth, or simply looking for that spark to set your soul blaze, this is for you. I came here with two kids. Yours were both born here. Yeah, Harry was born 2006, December 2006. Georgia was born 2009. So had both kids really early on in marriage. It wasn't our plan. And looking back, I probably would have liked to have waited a few more years. I'm sure you might have said the same thing. Same thing? No. 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 Okay, <laughs> no. okay. No, it's so funny. I was thinking about this. So my oldest of the children I gave birth to. So I have two kids that I gave birth to and three bonus kids that uh, are not biologically mine, but are absolutely still my children. Um, Maxwell, my oldest, graduated high school this weekend and really thinking about it, like it was my intention from the get-go to be a young mom because when I was a really young midwife and not yet a mom, which in hindsight, how in the world was that even competent or like just basically available as a midwife having not had a baby. But in some ways, I was almost a better midwife before I had kids because I wasn't clouded by my own experience. All that being said, I wanted to be a young mom because I was taking care of people who Wells in Massachusetts had gone into like semi-retirement to have a baby. They were like in their early mid-40s. They had had these very successful careers, but they had a lot of things that they were used to doing and they had become in some ways quite rigid by the time they were trying to get pregnant and they had all these expectations for how it should go. And it's a, it's a Buddhist thing to say it this way, but the distance between expectation and reality suffering so you suffer when you expected something and reality is different from what you expected these women thought that they could approach having a baby just like everything else in their lives they would like you know make a plan and check off the list and the baby would come and the baby would nurse and the baby would do all of these things and that's not the reality that it's human reproduction you know it's very unpredictable i used to say like the first lesson in parenting is that baby didn't get the memo. Like, the baby doesn't know what you think it's supposed to do. It's on its own plan when it gets here. And so I always intended to be a young mom. I was really lucky that that worked out. And I feel really lucky now, having a kid that just graduated from high school, to still have all this time to be his mom in a really different way and get to enjoy him as a young adult and still be young enough to go, you know, on adventures with him. If anything, at the time, I would have told you that I, I wouldn't have waited as long. I think we were married like three years before he was born, and, and I'm going to continue. Oh, interesting. All right. How old were your kids when you started Hello Holidays? Gosh, um, okay, I started Hello Holidays, I guess, about six years ago. We're going in our sixth season in 2023, and Harry was in, like, he was middle school, just gotten into middle school, and, no, 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 
Harry, yeah, Harry, both of them were in elementary, and I started it, and I was working full-time as a teacher. I'd, I was, I'd stayed home for seven years and taught part-time at my alma mater college, and I was teaching master's class of it, master's of education and master's of reading, and I taught some other classes too, but those are the main ones, and I decided to go back into education. I was teaching Georgia, and she was in my class, and I started Hello Holidays and knew really early on. Um, I couldn't do both. And that's kind of like what you, I think you learn that in entrepreneurship. That's really hard. If you want to start a business, you really need, it's really hard to do a full-time job working for someone else and going all in, if you know, in your business. That's hard. So, and then I was also being a mom and Chad, Chad's job was, there's no flexibility in his career. And that's okay. It works for us. Because he like, you know, it just works for us now. Um, but it was in my house, Hello Holidays. My sister, Emily Ann Gemma, is younger than me, but was one of the first bloggers on the scene when blogging started. She was really young. Uh, her husband was, her fiance at the time was in med school in Virginia, and she moved away from us. And that was a really big deal. None of us had really gone farther than two hours from our family. That just was not a thing. And so Emily had graduated college, and she had had an MBA in marketing, and moved to Virginia. And so that was when blogging started, and Instagram started, and Emily is, like, really good at beauty and, design and fashion, and she, she knows what looks good for everybody type. That's, like, one of her superpowers. She's got a lot. That's one of them. We laugh about her telling me she wanted to go to beauty school. And, you know, I didn't know. I was, I didn't know. I was a big sister going, you can't go to beauty school. You have to go to college. And, like, looking back, she could have totally gone to beauty school and done exactly what she's doing now and never gone to college. But, you know, I only, you only know what you know. And I was in, my degree was in education. So yeah, totally. how can I not think education is the only way for everybody? Uh, anyway, I laugh. And she laughs, too. I gave her a lot of bad advice. A lot of bad <laughs> advice. She will be happy to tell you about that. But so Emily um, was doing, did the blog thing and the Instagram thing and took off. People loved her. They trusted her. She's, if she tells you to buy stuff, you buy it and you're glad you did. Emily just got that in. And she's, so no one was doing that. And let me tell you, it wasn't, wasn't like we all embraced her doing that, you know, with, yes, you should post all these pictures of yourself and you should post what you're buying. Like, we were not encouraging that. And I, looking back, I really regret it because Emily was a trailblazer. My little sister, in general, if we really want to get gritty, she's probably one of the biggest trailblazers in my life of doing something for you that you know is right for your purpose and not caring what everyone else is saying. Because, golly, if she would have listened to all the people around her, she would not have, she wouldn't be doing what she's doing. And, right, you know, she's killing it in life. Um, doing incredible things. So I say that my sister was one of those. So she got, you know, was doing the, she has a lot of followers and people trust her opinion. And so she, this was, oh gosh, it was probably 10 years ago. And she wanted me to help her with her Christmas tree. I wasn't even decorating my own Christmas tree at the time. My neighbor was, which is funny. And I went and there was a store in town that we, I bought ribbon from. The Christmas ribbon is the only place I knew that you could buy this great ribbon. But I also knew this great ribbon is what makes your tree great. And we also bought a little bit from Hobby Lobby. And looking back, that was not that did not look good. But we did, we 
I went to her house. I left that morning. I think she was having a bad day. And she's like, I got to get this Christmas tree up. Because in that world, you need to have your Christmas tree up in October or first of November. And it was like later. I go, we throw a tree together. And it was very whimsical. My mom has always encouraged like a whimsical difference. She's never, my mom is not played by the rules of any tradition and has done things differently. And that tree went viral on Pinterest. And Emily's like, Amanda, I can't link this ribbon anywhere. There's nowhere else that sells it. <coughs> um, you should sell it. You should sell. You should make an e-commerce store and sell it. And of course, I laugh. She told me that for about two years until, and I did her tree again, did her tree again. It's super popular. We had so much fun decorating her tree. And then um, I remember it was like 2000, I want to say 2016, 2017. I'm sitting at, they had just opened, uh, gosh, um, Chewy's in Rogers. And Chad and I are sitting there. It was, a, I remember at like 1130 on a Sunday. I had never mentioned to him that Chad, that Emily should that has been wanting me to start my own e-commerce business i never said that because at the time remember i was teaching and i had this mindset that sales was below me that is something i'm embarrassed to say out loud and being vulnerable but i thought i wouldn't sell people stuff like people who sell are car salesmen like that was my furniture salesman that was my lack of that was my ignorance of thinking of sales as a negative thing you fast forward to me now, I'm like, everything, you say everything's business, I'm like, everything sells. Education was sales. As a teacher, I was the biggest salesman on the planet. I was selling people a, a mindset of learning. So looking back, I'm real embarrassed to say that, but I feel like if I don't say that, it's not. I'm not telling you the true self. So I'm like saying that makes me feel judged. I'm like, I know you're judging me. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Emily... I said it to Chad, I'll never forget it. And he looks at me and he's a five on the Enneagram. He's not, I mean, he's calculated risk, right? He looks at all sides and without any hesitation, he said, you should totally do that. And it was like this idea, I haven't, like my husband, Chad is like this, my source, a huge source of like support for me. And him believing in me was like, oh, okay. So I tell my friend, scene attorney who's like I'll help you I'd invest yes you should do that and I we did it we started it and it was so scary as mentioned earlier I'd gone to market in January this is in November so I'm like okay I'm doing this I remember figuring out the name hello holidays with my mom and sister going back and forth I gotta have this business I don't want it to be all Christmas but I think it needs to be Christmas and you know we're googling does anyone use these and we're, we're like should we use holidays should we use Christmas should we use ribbon and then Hello Holidays somehow came into the mix of me texting with my mom and sister. And we were all like, yes. And my sister has this saying that she says, I know it's a common saying, but keep it simple, stupid. Kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. And for overthinkers, try, because sevens are in the think. We overthink things. But if you'll just, it's kind of like, what's your, your quote she uses about perfection? Oh, yeah. Don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Mark Zuckerberg quote, but um, for anybody in the head track, I feel like that's a real, like, key mantra to remember. It's like, because I can get real fixated on minor details that aren't going to matter. And so in some ways, this podcast is a huge exercise in that. Totally. Of just put it out there, 
whatever sticks for somebody. If it if one person gets something out of it, it's worth doing. Like, um, I think that's a huge personal transition for me, and I know for you too. To like let go and it has to all be perfect before we launch it or put it out there or whatever. Totally. Well, we got to talk about imposter syndrome because imposter syndrome. Is that what it's called, imposter syndrome? It is like, but before I even knew that was a term, it's like, what do I, I didn't even know how to make a bow. Like, let's be honest. I started Hello Holidays, went and bought, like, I think, I mean, I want to say maybe, oh, it was like fifty dollars to $100,000 in products. And I didn't even know how to make a bow with ribbon. <laughs> like, really. I figured it out. Oh, I, I, my friend Kim, I went to her house and put all these bows on her house when I first started. And I know she still has them, and I think she still uses them. Heinous. I'm going to have her send me a picture of those, and I'll show, like, my first bows. So, like, I started this ribbon company, and I really didn't know how to use the product. You talk about jumping in. I didn't have any business knowledge. I did not have any business background. Never even paid attention to when anybody in business talked because it had nothing to do with me. I didn't know how to use ribbon. I only knew how to place, cut it in strips and place it in a tree really well and put the colors together really well. And so my, so it's almost like if I can do it, anybody could do it. And so started it, I'll never forget, Chad and I, we start, we got, Chad put the website together on Shopify. That's a great resource. If you want to start a business, totally. Shopify is, makes it so easy. It's cheap, and it does all the hard stuff for you. They'll even make your website for you. Started the website. Um, Emily posted about us, and I will never forget us, like, getting those dings on our phone. Now I take the dings off because they give me anxiety, like, if I'm not getting enough dings or whatever. But, oh, my gosh, it was like, people like what we have. I will never Heather. That was my first order. I need to get that name correct because I have a screenshot of our first order and me like feeling like so much love for that woman. And I didn't even know her, but like she just bought something I picked out. It made me, I, I can't even tell you that feeling that she trusted what I just bought. That was probably the first like dopamine hit drug <laughs> of like <gasps> this. This is what it feels like to start something, and it's a business, and it was just, it's a magical feeling, and I think every entrepreneur has felt that. Have you felt that? What was yours? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and well, all your businesses. You got like five that you could talk about. Yeah, but the first one was a freestanding word center, and it was the same sort of thing around the business side of it, because... I was a midwife and a researcher, and I'd written a national cohort study about personal outcomes. But when it came time to, like, build out a facility, and, like, this is, like, actual life and death. Like, people are going to give birth in this place, right? And when we started having those first few patients who were like, thank God you're here. You know, really, the origin story for the birth center is, I'd written something called the National Birth Center Study, too. It was an update of a study that had been done many years before um, with colleagues. And then I just kept talking to women here at home and every place else. He's like, well, that's great. The outcomes are so good in birth centers, but there aren't any. Like, 
show me a birth center and like outside of major metropolitan areas on the coast there really weren't and so a girlfriend and I my first business partner named Shannon Bedore uh well I, and she had had her own kind of complicated birth stories we're like this sucks it can be better we can do this and um ironically my husband now owns the like sort of complex where the birth center was it's called villages on the creeks it's like right next to a big pond and hindsight it was like a really beautiful place to have a birth center because people could walk around the pond when they were in labor but um i didn't know anything about running a business you know i remember going to meet with the attorney the first time to get our operating agreement our llc and bylaws and whatever because of course and I think this is the thing for a lot of women who start things. I was really conflicted about it being for profit versus not for profit because I have a deeply held belief that healthcare is a human right and that it shouldn't be about money, but it is. Healthcare is a for profit business in the US. So we had a not for profit arm that sort of allowed for community support and people's care, and then we had a for profit sort of operating unit. That was silly. That was not necessary. There were a million ways to do it that didn't require creating two entities. It was overly complex. But anyway, that's some of the stuff that I now know that I would teach my students is like, let's let's go way back to like, what are you trying to accomplish here? You know, and I'll talk a lot about it, but human centered design as opposed to human design, which is about individual people, human centered design is saying, who am I really making this for? Like you were making Hello Holidays for people who wanted trees like Emily's, right? It's a very clear design project. You were starting from a place of, you know, lady in St. Louis wants a tree that looks just like this, doesn't know where to buy the stuff, doesn't know how to put it together, right? That's a really straightforward use case. I was starting from People don't want to have babies in the hospital because the outcomes are not good and they don't feel safe. So, you know, there's a real argument in maternity care about safety and like, it's not safe. You have to have your baby in a hospital because it's not safe. Well, safety is such a relative thing. And there are a whole lot of people who, for lots of good reasons, do not feel safe in hospitals. So it was really saying like, how do I offer this service that I know from a scientific perspective is really good for people in my home community? And it was like trial by fire at every turn. And yeah, those first few people who were like, thank God, I'm so glad you're here. This is exactly what I want my birth to look like. And the first few babies that were born in birth center you know, I still work with people who had babies in that first birth center. And, you know, it's a really incredible thing to think like, oh, all that time and effort really did have a like impact on how this person's experience went and how that kid came into the world. You know? Yeah. It was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Terrifying. Definitely. Uh, a lot of risk. Well, it feels like risk. It was a lot of risk. It was a lot of risk. It is a risky business to be in. In fact, malpractice premiums would suggest it's the riskiest business to be in. But it also felt like the most important. So for me, 
risk and reward have to be in line. You know, like if I'm going to take a big risk, I have to believe that it's going to have a big impact. And reward is not, is it going to make a bunch of money? It's how is it going to impact the person that I was designing it for? Like, is it going to be enough of an impact for that person that I feel like it's worth the risk that I'm taking? So, yeah, both of us started, like, Shannon and I definitely had all of our early meetings either at the like kitchen island at my house or her house or the bar at 21c which just opened so if the kids were like crazy or we had to get out of the house so we didn't wake them up because we often would have meetings after we got all the kids who were little to bed so it's 2013 so max would have been eight and tate would have been six um so you know, once the kids were in bed, and Shannon had a baby even after that, so her kids were really little, and um, nights and weekends, you know, I was a professor in the nursing school, she was full-time at Walmart, um, you know, it was wild. Yeah, wild is a great word. I, I'll have a video, and I can totally post this on our Instagram, of our house when we got all these orders and how it looked in our house like we had no system for putting orders together and it was just me and chad and it's it's just chaos our house has been chaos ever since from august to december but that was the that's yeah it's interesting how that works but yeah starting off is definitely chaotic but i feel like that is a really important thing to say it's not that you're doing it wrong that's how it is like you're doing it right oh yeah that is how it is there's no way around that phase of it and if it doesn't feel that way you're probably not trying hard enough and you know there's a lot to be said for prototyping and beta testing and like you know it's a good thing you didn't know how to make bows because whatever you would have thought the perfect bow was would not have ultimately been the perfect because it depends on what people are looking for, right? And you have to interact with your customers. You have to interact with the people who are going to use your service to know what it should really look like. And if you spend time and effort and money sitting on the sideline building what you think is the perfect product, you'll almost certainly get it wrong. So in human-centered design, prototyping and beta testing are imperative, and you want to start that as soon as you have something you can put in front of your intended audience you want to start you don't want to wait you don't want to lose time cooking something up because again if you think about even just enneagram and the nine types and the 27 the subtypes you have no idea what everybody else's perspective about your project is going to be until you put it out there and ask them and you have to be willing to receive now, the idea doesn't always have to be generated from what people think they want. There's a famous, you know, quote from Henry Ford. If I'd asked people what they want, they would have said a faster horse, not a car, because they don't have any way to imagine something that doesn't already exist, right? Like, I worked with a team at a place called Adia. It's a consulting firm, and they made the Swiffer, and, like, you have to start with the problem and solve the problem. Like, nobody knew that they wanted this, like, you know, new and improved dust mop before they saw a Swiffer, but once the Swiffer was available, everybody had to have one, right? What people did want was a, like, light, easy, 
store way to address dust on a daily or every other day basis rather than dragging out a mop once a week or whatever. Um, so, you know, coming from that place of like, what's the problem you're trying to solve, who are you solving it for, and kind of working your way out from there and not waiting too long. I think it's great that you didn't know how to make a bow. Yeah. You know. Uh, it's so bold. Like it's so bold. That like looking back, that was pretty ballsy of me. Like I don't look. I just yeah, it makes me laugh. I think I thought I could do it. I just you know you have that, you have that way better than I do of that like uh, be that hard. You have that big time. Like it can't be that hard. I can do that. It can't be that hard. Like sure I can do that. Yeah, it's a little bit of delusion. It's like totally. You have to have a moment <laughs> of like how hard could it really be yeah. to start any. Because yeah. otherwise, you just wouldn't. Right? Yeah. If you really knew what it was going to take, you wouldn't. One would not. Any person, any sane human being would not do what it ultimately takes. But once you're in it, and once... And I do think when you're doing the thing that makes your heart sing, or the things that make your heart sing, externally, it looks like, you know... Oh my God, how are you doing that? But when you're doing it, it's fun, right? You're just like doing the next thing. And the, for me at least, the payoff is seeing it in use. It's seeing people use it. It's, it's that thing. It's like getting the order and having it work is the prize. It's not really the monetary benefit or the like, because there are easier ways to make money, you yeah. know. Um, but it's, it's knowing that you, created something, right, that is actually of value to other people. If you were, so you are now, we are, starting other businesses, but, uh, and I've started several other businesses since then. It is, a, it's like tattoos, it's a little bit addictive. Once you like have done it, it's like, oh, I could be so better at so much better at this next time. I know how I would do it differently next time. Like, even simple stuff like websites, like the tools have evolved. It's all so much easier than it used to be. Tech stacks are so much easier than they used to be. Like, what would you say, like, is fun about what we're thinking about and working on now that is like your, your opportunity to do something different? Oh, definitely one that I think as becoming a superpower, and I sound real bold saying this, is I think getting the right team. Totally. Like being able to not feel like, and you're really good at this, of um, saying, I don't have to do it all. I don't have to, like I've always heard like the, the owner does everything. The owner goes and does all the work and we idolize the owner who does everything or the founder who does everything, when really, I don't, there are a lot of things I am incompetent in. <laughs> My comp, I have competence. It's like, but there are things, it's very obvious. I am awful at details. Like, I, it is, I could, I could for a minute, but I, I'm not good at the details. And making, but I, but what I'm really great at, and, but I have team members who are great at those and being able to say, oh wait, I have Buffy and I have Mac or, you know, I have Tessa, I have this great team, and not being afraid to give them the parts of a business that I am not that confident at, and I hate doing it, which I think a seven on the Enneagram, we are, we 
I think most sevens like to just do things they enjoy. And so I've trained myself to make myself enjoy anything I'm doing instead of just not doing it. But, I, but I'm getting to where, well, I don't have to. I don't have to. I'm not going to. So being doing that, the businesses that you and I are going into, it's been really fun because we can be creative, which you and I both love doing. That's the part that everybody that's an entrepreneur loves that creative part, right? I don't know. I think so. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there are people who like different parts, but I think the creativity almost has to be there to, to want to do it. As we reach the end of this episode, we realize we have just scratched the surface. There's so much more to explore. So stay tuned for more empowering conversations and enlightening words of wisdom from your soul-blazing big sisters, Karen and Amanda.